0: All right, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. In our continuing endeavor to finish the book of Ephesians, we're actually going to see the end next week. Praise God. Can you believe that? We're going to get to the end of the book of Ephesians. We've been in for several months. um, And we're in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Let's read together. "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. "'Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, "'with promise that it may be well with you, "'and you may live long on the earth. "'And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, "'but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters "'according to the flesh, with fear and trembling "'and sincerity of heart as to Christ, "'not with eye service as men pleasers,' but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Verse 8 says, knowing that whoever, whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Obedience is a tough thing. One of the main battles that we're fighting right now in this nation has to do with obedience. Whether we'll obey the laws or not obey the laws, or whether we'll make our own laws or whether we're not. And I think probably has a lot to do with the last two, three, four generations of children that have been raised selfishly, They're allowed to be selfish and do what they want. I love talking to folks my age because we remember when it was the other way around. How many remember when you came across an adult, you better listen to an adult? It didn't matter if they were next door neighbors or somebody in town or somebody in the school. When they told you to do something, you did it. You never called them by their first name. You always said, Mr. Snyder, Mrs. Smith, yes, ma'am, no, sir. And we learned to be obedient. We learned to know where the boundaries were. We didn't have to test the boundaries, we knew they were there. And when we did lose our mind and test the boundaries, we felt it on our backside many times. Come on, somebody. My dad had a miner's belt that he had hung, hung right down the basement steps on a hook so he could reach him right, right at the top of the steps and take that thing down. And you knew when it came down, what was going to happen. I learned obedience sometimes the hard way. Come on, somebody. And the last three or four generations have not had to do that because they've been given just about everything they want. If they're not given, uh, given it, They demand it. I believe there's a direct correlation from the lack of respect to the state of our nation. And I believe it starts in the home. It's the breakdown of culture, the enemy successfully attacking the nuclear family. By the way, one of the tenets of one of the statements of a popular group called BLM is to do away with the nuclear family that's one of their uh, basic statements that you can read on their webpage and not making it up, go on their webpage, the dissolution of nuclear family. Why? Because they know if they can get hold of children, they'll change a nation. That should speak very strongly to us as parents and grandparents. We pray for our children, they might have an encounter with Christ and understand that the basis of all things Begins with obedience. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. We have a promise after a commandment that we'll live a long life. Some of us need to leave here and call parents and Reconnect with children. That it may be well with you, verse 3 says, and that you may live long on the earth. So obedience has children. Obedience has long life. Obedience has peace. Obedience has things going well with us. And then the word directly speaks to fathers. And I don't have to say too much about the lack of fathers in our society have been the direct have direct correlation to the breakdown of children it's imperative that fathers spend time with their children even when they're grown spend time praying for them spend time speaking with them as i've often said google has taken place of wisdom But that doesn't mean that we can't speak in our children's life and our grandchildren's life. And fathers, I encourage you, men, I encourage you, teach the children love and honor. The children are being driven away from the church early. We used to say teens are driven away from the church. Now it's children. How long will the church allow such things to happen? May it never be. May it never be. May the church again rise and speak the word of the Lord. You know, a lot of the church is motivated by fear. The second largest church in the United States, North Point Community Church in Atlanta, Georgia, just announced yesterday that they're closing services for the entire year. Over 30,000 people in eight locations in Atlanta because of COVID 19. No church. How many know motivated by fear? Motivated by fear. And because an influential Andy Stanley is the pastor there, by the way, and if you've been keeping up on some of Andy's statements about the Old and New Testament, which I won't go into, he's been very influential in affecting some churches in America. So it's not going to be any surprise to me over the next two, three, four weeks if we're going to see other churches follow suit and close for the entire year. It doesn't end up well that way. The more ground that we give up as a church, the less ground we're going to get, maybe none back. Come on, somebody. I'm not being uh, rebellious. I'm just saying we've got to hear God in all of this. Amen? 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 Obedience is one thing, but the obedience is to the Lord as well. Now, he speaks to bondservants. And if you study the word bondservant, you know that they were servants that were slaves and then chose to become bondservants, receiving an earring in their ear and given to their masters for the rest of their life. So a bondservant is someone willing to be a servant and giving oneself to another. We cannot, as a church, serve this society if we give ourselves to ungodly things. My Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. If we can't believe God to protect us from COVID-19, where are we at? 32,400 viruses right now and on this globe right now. 32,400. And one has shut down the whole whole world. I'm silly enough to believe that Jesus died for that disease. Come on, somebody. Standing and believing, serving one another, the church serving one another, I have some, somewhat of a different view, and that view is that we, we give of ourselves, but we tell the truth. We serve in a way, allowing Christ to work through us, not just with eye service, the scripture says, not with eye service, verse 6, as men pleasers, but as bond servants, willing servants of Christ, Doing the will of God from the heart. What is the will of God? To stand for the truth. To stand for what the gospel says. Not in rebellion, but in truth. You know, when I was a young man, I thought maybe I'd get away with getting off this mud ball without being persecuted. The older I get, the more I realize that that might not be true come on somebody it's happening pretty quick these freedoms being taken away and when the church starts drinking the kool-aid when the church starts drinking the kool-aid and stepping back and allowing somebody to tell us what to do other than god we're in trouble In trouble, not with thy services, men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Verse eight says, "Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free." Now, if it's good in God's eyes, it's good enough for me, whether men are against it or not. Truth is truth no matter what the situation. It doesn't change. The truth of God changes not. The scripture says everything else will change and shake and fall apart, but the word of God and the kingdom of God will stand strong. We have a law of reaping and sowing. It says in Galatians 6-7 Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So I understand that the church is supposed to Obey, you know, one of the things that I had tough time with and still am having a tough time with is social distancing and masks. I have a tough time with that. I got to tell you the truth. I don't understand it. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but if a mask doesn't fit you and sealed like a gas mask, those little things that cause the virus are microscopic and can escape out the sides of the mask my question is when you sneeze does it go in a straight trajectory or does it go like that outside the mask so what good is the mask doing but we're told to wear masks now what manner of men and women should we be i've heard people say i've even said i'm not going to wear a mask but guess what it's a witness Don't throw anything at me. Come on. It's a witness. Now, if they were asking us to swear or drink alcohol or smoke cigarettes or see an X-rated movie, we would rebel. All they're doing is asking us to wear a mask, which I do not like, especially if I've just had a cup of coffee and I'm wearing a mask. makes me nauseous I'm like "Ooh, I forgot a mint no bond servants willingly serving because if that mask is standing between somebody and Christ I'll wear the mask if that mask is going to allow me to be a witness for Jesus I'll wear the mask Come on, somebody. It may be a foregone conclusion. There's a rumor that says we're going to make it a nationwide thing very soon. Federal mandate. Marshall County is making it a mandate tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Marshall County is requiring all residents to wear masks when they leave the home. Anywhere. we've got to decide individually what kind of people we're going to be. This is so appropriate right now. Not as men pleasers, but as pleasing God. You could see Jesus going down to the waters to be baptized with John and standing and saying, I don't need to be baptized. I'm perfect. I'm the Son of God. Baptism doesn't deal with me. Baptism does with all you sinners. What did he do? Went down and was water baptized. He said to John, John said, uh, you need to baptize me. And he said, let this happen so all righteousness is fulfilled. Come on, somebody. That's my little speech about the mask. And I understand, I hate wearing a mask. I don't want to wear, I think, It's ridiculous that we wear a mask. I don't see the validity of a mask. I want to wear it. If it'll win one soul, I'll wear it. Cause one soul not to stumble. Come on, somebody. All right, I'll get off that. I got through that. Nobody threw anything at me. Paul winds up this passage talking about rulers. He said, and you masters, rulers, do the same things to them, giving up, threatening, knowing that your own master also is heaven and there is no partiality with him. True masters, true people who rule are first servants. Serving is the foundation of leading. And really, that's a continuation of what I just said because whether we like it or not, we're leaders in this generation. And when we lead, we lead as servants. One of the biggest things we fight, he is ugly, he is relentless, he'll use passion, he'll use pride, he'll use lust, He'll use your senses. He'll use anything to come against you to cause you to stumble. And He'll never go away. He's always going to be there. You can bind Him all you can. He's not going to go anywhere. You can loose Him all you want. He's going to be there when you wake up in the morning when you go to sleep at night. He hates you. He doesn't want you to succeed. He wants you to serve Him. How many know who He is? Who is He? Come on, somebody say. No. No. Say it louder. Self. self. Self will always be here. Never going to go away. You can. That's why Jesus said if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to die to self. Pick up your cross daily and die to self. When I wake up in the morning, self is there. Self wants to push the snooze alarm. Self wants to eat the extra donut. Self wants to. Look where I'm not supposed to look and pick where I'm not supposed to pick. And he's patient because he knows he's always going to be here. We can't get rid of self. We can resist the devil and he'll flee, but when he does, self is still here. Come on, somebody. The real warfare is with that self. He may not know you as well as Jesus does, but it's a pretty close tie. We've got to fight that. We've got to come against that thing. Because he'll, use, he'll wait. He's patient. He'll use your senses. He'll use smell, touch, taste to drive a wedge between you and Jesus. He's the enemy of your soul. Your spirit man needs to rise up every day and put the flesh to death. Put self to death. That's really where all the warfare culminates. That's, that's the apex. That's the, that's the place where we've got to fight. And if we can crucify the flesh, if we can die to the flesh, we'll have victory. Because we have all, my God took all the tools and all the, the weapons away from the enemy making a shame of him openly on the cross. But he did something that he had to do. He left self. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, no one can follow me unless they pick up the cross and die to themselves. Man, that's a daily chore. That's full time. Because self knows us so well, he or she will worm his way into our thoughts justify our actions everybody else can be terrible and we're not so bad because after all we've got good intentions I'm talking to you this morning stepping on your toes But that's the one we've got to do the warfare with that's the one we've got to you shut up and stay right there if self will follow us, we'll win. If we follow self, we'll lose. Because self is not not ever going to follow Christ. Got to follow self. Ephesians six ten says, "Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, schemings of the devil." For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. If we ever needed a militant faith, we need it today. We need to fight the good fight of faith. Be strong, Paul says, in the Lord. Our actions will follow our convictions. It's in the power of His might. It's where we exist, in Christ. It's not about us. God didn't make covenant with us. He made covenant with Christ, and we are in Christ. There is our victory. Ephesians 119 says, What is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? It's His power resident in us, we've learned through going through Ephesians. It's His power that resonates in us, that defeats the enemy. And if we're going to fight, which we are fighting, we're going to have to do so according to His Word. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 3, God said, And He shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies, Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is He who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So when we go into these battles that we're about to talk about, when we go into warring against principalities and powers, we do so with the victor living in us. It's not that we miss the battles. I would have loved it if God would have set it up that way. We could have just read about the battles and not had to go through them. Come on, somebody! It's like eating a hot dog on the, you know, Memorial Day. Memorial Day picnic and waving a flag, saying thank, thank uh, for all the dead that gave their lives, but we weren't the ones that gave our lives. The battle is real. The battle is before us. If we're not fighting today, we'll fight soon. This is nothing that you can volunteer to get out of. God, if it's all right with you, could you have everybody else battle and I'll I'll stay on the sidelines and cheer. I'll provide the Kool-Aid. Everybody is in a battle. James chapter 1, verse 9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God's promise to Joshua is a promise to us. There is a standing for each believer. We stand in Christ, and we are the victors. Warfare is not voluntary. It is here. One of the things that we have to remind ourselves while we're putting ourselves in its place That we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. There's power in the name of Jesus. There really is. There's not power in our name. Come on, someone. There's power in the name of Jesus. When we name the name of Jesus, the enemy flees. Principalities come down. Powers are ruined at the name of Christ. Why? Because we're hidden in Him. We name the name of Jesus. Our authority and position and power resonate from one source, and that's Jesus. We're strong in the power of His might. Psalm 113.5 says, Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high? There's nobody above Him. There's nobody He's asking permission from. And there's no one He would rather fill with His power than you. When you are under attack, when you are standing in the gap for somebody, when you're interceding and fasting for revival, God says, I'm on your side because I set it up that way. This is nothing that we came up with and the enemy is attacking us for a purpose and a reason. The church is under attack more now than any time in my lifetime. And the reason we're under attack is the enemy hopes we'll give up. But he forgot to read where we have the victory in Christ. Come on, somebody. As I said, I'd like to have the victory without the fight, but we got a battle. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Scripture says, "How so? How true? Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods?" Exodus fifteen eleven. Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises? doing wonders, lest we forget the God that we serve, the all-powerful Lord that lives in us, justified us, sanctified us, set us on high, seated with Him. And He did not leave us without the tools to win. In all of these, we've talked about the armor of God many times here, and I'm sure that you have studied it many times so this is more of a reminder but this armor of god salvation peace righteousness faith these are things that are are uh, that we're clothed with see scripture says put on the whole armor of god it's a choice made by each one it's interesting it says doesn't say put on the armor it says put on the whole armor because what we sometimes think being saved is just enough. Well, I said a prayer, I'm saved and I'm good. No, he says the whole armor of God, the armor is meant to ready us for the warfare that we're sure to come across. God's entirety of protection and power is in that armor. We need to recognize the validity and the pertinence of each item. Why? Why? Because here's what scripture says, Um, that you may be able to stand. Be strong in the Lord, the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God, verse verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. One of the things that make us weep before the Lord is the many that we see that have fallen back and, and backslidden and fallen as captives and prisoners of war of the enemy because they chose not to fight. One of my best friends, I've often talked about him, Richie Martin, died in 2004 of alcoholism. Went to Bible college with him. One of the smartest, sweetest, on fire people for Christ I ever met. Started to social drink again. He had some drinking problems before he got saved. He was state representative for Pat Robertson, Texas, and state representative in Louisiana twice for Pat Buchanan when he ran for president rubbed shoulders with important people, wrote a book, had such a talent for writing and speaking. Good friend. He started to go back to social drinking, felt he could handle it. His liver exploded and he died in an apartment alone in Atlanta, Georgia in 2004. The enemy is cruel. The enemy is Relentless. But God has provided for us. And that was his, when I talked to him, when I would try to minister to him, he'd say, I'm saved, I know Jesus, I'm okay. But he gave up the battle. He didn't battle anymore. Alcohol won the battle with him. And we've all could tell stories went right around the room. We all know people. That you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the enemy because just like he did with Richie, He studies and He waits for our weakness and He'll attack. And He won't ask permission. And He won't give up. And He won't quit. We need to fight. God has provided the armor that we do so. There's a war within that we need to win. That battle within us. Once we win that, God can use us with the, the war without who we face. The enemy's not, a going to, not going to attack lightly and he brings with him principalities. One of the revelations I thought I got when I read this this time is we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and the Holy Spirit spoke to me about principalities. A principality in your life may not be a principality in mine. A ruling arch spirit May not be a principality in my life because I've won over that particular thing. Lust, food, adultery, fornication. I may have won that, but you have it. The enemy attacks. He comes with principalities that are going to win. His point is to win. He doesn't come to fuss with us. He comes to win. You give him an inch, he'll take your life. But God has given us the armor to battle and to win that. Principalities differ, but we have victory. Powers, he comes with the idea in his mind that he's going to win. Scripture says we come against rulers of darkness, that which is void of God, darkness that envelopes. I'm amazed at what I see in the church at large when I say the church I don't necessarily mean the true church because the true church can't be fooled. But as I said, the first thing that Jesus said in Matthew 24 when the disciples came to him and said, what will be the sign of your return? Most people go right to earthquakes, pestilences and wars and rumors of wars. He didn't say that. He said, be careful that you do not be deceived, that you are not deceived. Many will come. In that day saying, here is Christ and there is Christ. Do not believe them. And deception, I'm seeing it in the church. I'm seeing things like what I just spoke about, about North Point Church in, in Atlanta, other things. Huge influential sections of the body of Christ buying the lie of homosexuality, buying the lie of abortion and going that way. Speaking about, you, you've got men and women that have influenced the worship in the body of Christ worldwide that say, now I'm not sure if Jesus exists. I'm not sure if I understand Christianity anymore. I've got to take a break. The wiles and the schemes of the enemy that have come against the church alarms me. Rulers of darkness. Darkness is void of light and void of God. The rulers of this age, the scripture says, up-to-date attacks. Satan is very aware of the hour. What wouldn't have worked years ago has now become effective tools of the enemy. Years ago, we could have never struck against. The enemy could have never struck against the flag and the national anthem. We would have struck it. If that would have happened even 10 years ago, come on, somebody. But now with all this movement towards rebellion and disobedience now it works tomorrow night i'll meet with the school board and we're we're going to be talking about the right for children to kneel and put their fist up during the national anthem at rochester high school rest assured i will have my 5 minutes of fame i will speak They've taken it from the public forum to a private, it's executive session, so I can't say what happens there, but I can say what I know will happen from this guy. I will have my word. But the enemy is very current on current events. He's attacking where he knows he'll win. We have the church declaring things I never thought I'd hear. What didn't work years ago has now become effective. Scripture says spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Where is the heavenly places? We understand from 2 Corinthians 12, 2, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up in the third heaven. So we understand the first heaven to be here on this, or this is the first heaven, if you will. We're children of Christ. Christ exists in us. The second heaven is that heaven above us where principalities, powers, and angels are battling out for the souls of men. Of course, the third heaven is the place of God's throne. that can never be shaken and never changed. I know this is a tough part of Scripture. Very few people love talking about warfare and having to come against the enemy. But let me tell you, that is where we're at in history right now. We're fighting for the soul of a nation. Yes. So I encourage you as you pray and fast, as you take your time, wherever that is during the week that you fast a meal or fast a day or, or you say extra prayers for, the, for the, the nation, rest assured that your prayers are effective in the heavenly places. Rest assured that when you dress in the armor of God, righteousness, peace, faith, Shod, we'll talk about it next week, Shod with the gospel of peace. Righteousness covering us. We're protected. Salvation is ours. We have the mind of Christ. Come on, someone. We walk in peace. We have the shield of faith. Quenching all the fiery darts of the enemy. Are your prayers needed? You better believe that they are. Do your prayers make a, ch- make a difference? better believe they do. Say, well, does God hear me? I'm just a little guy over in Rochester, Indiana. Our prayers are barraging the gates of hell and opening the gates of heaven for the greatest revival the world has ever seen. The greatest influx of souls I believe the world has ever seen. God loves an impossible situation. That's where He shines. Come on, somebody. I believe that with all my heart. We win over the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. We'll talk about that armor of God, how Paul ends Ephesians and his letter to the Ephesians and to the church so young at the time. I believe we're standing on the cusp of the return of Christ and he's coming back. My Bible says he's coming back for a bride without spot, without blemish, coming back for a powerful church. I want to be that, in that powerful church. I don't want to be one, hide behind a rock going, Goliath is going to hurt me. Preach back to me now. Let me ask you a couple questions. How do we stop the breakdown of families? How do we stop the breakdown of families? What can we do? By example, praise God. How else, what can we do to stop the breakdown of families? Harvey? Actively staying connected with our children, even when they're out of the house. How else? Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Show love and forgiveness. Hey, volunteer in the community. Get involved with civic organizations. Come on, somebody. Hopefully, by the end of the month, we've been trying to open a youth center now for Gosh, eight months now, I think. Finally, we're seeing the end. Light at the end of the tunnel. We had to meet all kinds of regulations and rules that the state put on us. But it's going to open up, and we're going to need all the volunteers we can get. The children in this community have nothing to do. We're going to give them something to do. We're going to have education there. We're going to have Bible studies there. We have lots of games there. But we're going to run on volunteers. That's just one of the places you can volunteer. You volunteer at school, volunteer to go to uh, PTA meetings or go to uh, uh, council meetings, city council meetings. Get involved in the community. Let your face and your name be known. You may not change much, but just your presence there could change things, amen? And change, that'll change families. People will start seeing us getting interested again, actually interested in our local government. Yeah, somebody had their hand up over here? I know that. I know all about that. Hey, what victories have you won in your life? Somebody give a testimony. Coming through a warfare, you want a victory. Let's have popcorn testimony. Years of running, right? Still look alive to me. How many are happy that God sets you free from alcohol, drugs? We've got a lot of ex-alcoholics, ex-druggies in here. Praise God. Praise God. Well, Father, thank you for your goodness to us, God. Thank you that you're asking us to be strengthened right now. Lord, we would like nothing better for you to come and snatch us out of here, Lord, and let the earth be what the earth is. But God, you've chose to keep us here for this time, for this purpose. Rise up a strong church, Father. We intercede for our brothers and sisters all over the world that, God, this would be the hour that we stand and make our statement of you, who we are in you, Jesus. Continue to strengthen us. I pray for each and every family represented here, God, that we would be filled with your power and your might and your anointing according to your loving kindness and mercy. Just pray for this day, Father, you bless each and every one. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.